Hello, welcome to our Future of Consumer Asia Pacific prediction series. Today we'll be looking at recent developments in intellectual property in Australia and China with an impact on the consumer sector and particularly focusing on developments with some helpful lessons for product differentiation. My name is Emma Isles and I'm a partner in the IP Disputes team in our Melbourne office and I'm joined today by Peng Lei, a partner in our intellectual property team in our Shanghai Kuwait office. Thanks, Emma. I'm looking forward to discussing some interesting developments. Thanks, Peng. Now, it would be good to start with a significant development in Chinese IP litigation. There's a new mechanism allowing owners of IP to get preliminary injunctions against alleged infringers in court proceedings more efficiently. Is that right? That's right, Emma. IP owners in Chinese litigation will normally need to wait for the final judgment to stop infringement as it is difficult to be granted with preliminary injunctions. Unfortunately, litigation always takes a long time during which IP owners still suffer damages from infringement. Yes, and of course, some of that damage can't necessarily be compensated for financially, which is why being able to access interlocutory remedies can be really important. Yes, absolutely. So, with all that in mind, in 2020, the Shenzhen IP Tribunal in China tried to address these issues in the case of DJI versus FEMI by introducing a partial judgment plus preliminary injunction mechanism. That case concerned the design patent of DJI for its camera, which it claimed FEMI was infringing by manufacturing and selling a similar looking camera. In the court proceeding, DJI applied for a preliminary injunction to immediately stop FEMI from infringing, pending the outcome of the final judgment. After investigation on the facts, the tribunal concluded in a partial judgment, confirming that FEMI's conduct did amount to infringement and thus granted the preliminary injunction without mentioning damages issues and thus saved time. While this is pretty exciting for the IP landscape in China, in particular, it will be interesting to see whether IP owners will take advantage of the new remedy and how this area of law develops. Absolutely. And for us in Australia, interlocutory injunctions are a well-established remedy. However, they're still relatively infrequently sought and awarded, which is a reflection of the particular circumstances required for an application to have a likelihood of success. But with that said, there have been recent cases where IP owners have made applications to attempt to block new products that have come too close in terms of trademarks or branding. And these cases serve as a cautionary tale for businesses deciding on the branding for new products or services and the risks of not differentiating enough from existing products on the market. One particular example is the Reckitt, Ben Kieser and Henkel case in which Reckitt sought urgent interlocutory relief to stop Henkel launching its Somat branded dishwashing products in Australia. This was on the basis that the sign Henkel intended to use in the branding and marketing of those products infringed Reckitt's trademarks. A critical inquiry in any application for interlocutory relief in Australia is where the balance of convenience lies. And on that point, in this case, it was particularly relevant that Reckitt had been using the marks on its Finnish branded dishwasher tablets in Australia for more than 20 years had a significant share of the market and generated substantial revenue from the products. Whereas Henkel, on the other hand, 
had sold the Somat branded products in Europe for over 50 years, but it was breaking new ground by launching in Australia. Against that background, the judge found that the balance of convenience strongly favoured the grant of an injunction. So very difficult for Henkel in that case to defend the interlocutory injunction in the face of a dominant, well-established brand with a significant reputation in the market, with the result that a new product launch already underway was halted in its tracks. Well, commercially, that's a very significant consequence. Absolutely. And one that can be avoided, I think, with the right level of product differentiation. But we did also see recently in Australia a failed attempt at product differentiation, albeit in a different context. And that was a case involving Allegan's Botox trademark. Allegan bought trademark infringement proceedings against a company called Selfcare for using the phrase instant Botox alternative and similar statements in advertising and on product packaging for its anti-wrinkle products. It could be said that this was an attempt at product differentiation through express statements on the products in question, but it involved using the registered trademark of a competitor. And the full federal court in that case was asked to consider whether self-care could have the benefit of a defence to trademark infringement for comparative advertising. The court rejected that defence, though, saying that the reference to Botox was not an attempt to compare the self-care product to the Allegan product, but really as an attempt to leverage off the reputation of Botox. And this was against the background of the court finding that the use of the expression instant Botox alternative in context would cause people to wonder if the self-care product came from the same source as Botox. That's very interesting, Emma. And did Elegance seek damages? Yes, it did. It sought damages or an account of profits. And it also sought additional damages under the Trademarks Act. And the matter has been remitted to the trial judge for determination of those matters. But it will be interesting to see if the court awards additional damages, because while while they're often um, sought, they're very rarely awarded. Although having said that, there have been a couple of examples of punitive damages awards in IP cases in Australia recently too, which could signify a bit of a new trend. A particularly stark example of that occurred in the Universal Music and Clive Palmer case last year. And in that case, Mr. Palmer was ordered to pay $1.5 million in additional damages to Universal for his unauthorised use of the Twisted Sister song, We're Not Gonna Take It, as part of advertising for his Australia United Party during a federal election campaign. In awarding additional damages, the court recognised a need to deter similar infringement and took account of Mr Palmer's particular conduct, which included originally attempting to negotiate a licence to use the song, but having failed using it anyway, attacking Universal and Twisted Sister on radio and social media after they raised concerns about his use of the song, and conducting a defence described by the judge as fanciful, disingenuous and preposterous with inconsistent and contradictory arguments. Well, I think there's clearly a line between running a robust defense versus simply trying as many arguments as possible, regardless of how implausible that may be, and the cost consequence to that in this case. That's right. The risk of significant additional damages for frivolous defenses is one way of preventing that sort of behavior. And we've also seen a recent example in the trademark and branding space where additional damages have been awarded in the case of a known use of a registered trademark without the authority of the brand owner. In that case, going ahead with domain name registrations and use of the registered mark on a Facebook page in the face of an awareness of the mark have led to additional damages, despite the infringer's sales under the mark being minimal. 
Is there a similar approach to remedies in China, Pang? Yes, there is. In fact, the number of IP infringement cases in which punitive damages have been awarded over the past few years has been steadily increasing, particularly in relation to consumer products. Many consumer products in China are bought and sold over e-commerce platforms. This means from the e-commerce platform, an IP owner may obtain evidence showing the amount of infringing sales. And when the infringer first got complaint through the platform for infringing conduct, it can therefore be easier to prove that the infringing conduct is willful. For example, in the case of Xiaomi versus Powers, which was selected as a leading case of the Supreme Court of 2021, Xiaomi alleged that Powers was willfully infringing its trademarks by selling various products. Since the, the alleged infringing products were small household appliances and mainly sold on e-commerce platforms, data on the infringing sales were collected from the platforms to estimate the infringing profit. In addition, since Xiaomi's trademarks were already well-known before the infringing conduct, and Povas continued promoting and selling the products after the first instance judgment in favor of Xiaomi, Xiaomi proved that Povas' infringing conduct was willful. Moreover, since the infringing products were widely sold in large amounts and low quality, Xiaomi further proved that Povas' infringing conduct had caused serious damage to Xiaomi. Finally, the court found in favor of Xiaomi and ordered Powers to pay treble damages in the amount of 50 million RMB. Well, given the increasing reliance on online platforms for the sales of consumer goods, this seems like a positive trend for IP owners in China trying to protect their brands. Yeah. So now, Emma, one last topic is the increasing environmental overlaying IP issues, particularly in the development of green consumer technologies. In terms of green consumer technology, an area that is also worth discussing is electric vehicles, EV, and their batteries. While China has become the largest manufacturer and consumer market for EVs and batteries in the world, last year, more than half of the world's EVs were manufactured and purchased in China. With this growth, we are seeing EV and battery companies focusing more and more on their IP portfolios and increasing their patent filings. Although the number of patent filings is on a downward trend since 2019, this may be partially caused by the COVID-19 pandemic, but it may also be an indication that the core technologies in these industries have already converted into patents. Therefore, IP disputes may arise in the near future. And we've seen a similar sort of pattern in patent filing activity in Australia as well. And according to the Power of Innovation report IP Australia released last year, there were 206 patent families relating to battery tech filed in Australia between 2001 and 2018. And among these filings, there was a particular focus on rechargeables, which made up the bulk. And while there's A consistent growth in filings from 2001 to 2017, there has been a similar dip in 2018. IP Australia says this is due to a lag in data collection, but it'll be interesting to see whether we're also going through a similar downward trend for the same reasons you mentioned, Pung. 
It could also reflect the stage that the technology is at and the fact that we are seeing more and more commercialization of these technologies at this point. That's right. Considering the growth, importance, and scale of the EV and battery market, we could be seeing some very significant and high stakes disputes in the future. In fact, we are already seeing some disputes reach the court here in China. Well, for example, in the patent dispute of CATL versus TEFL decided in 2021, the damages awards exceeded 20 million RMB. This decision deserves significant attention from other players in this industry. Yeah, I agree. And the patent dispute space for green consumer technologies like EVs and batteries could become the next battleground for consumer tech. And from a branding and trademarks perspective, I think we can also expect to see issues around branding, advertising and marketing as businesses will need to find ways to distinguish their products in a competitive market. In particular, comparative advertising issues like those we discussed in relation to the Botox case could be an ongoing issue as companies try to demonstrate superior performance or environmental credentials for their products compared to competitor brands. So as you can see, there continues to be a lot of IP-related developments across a variety of areas in the consumer sector. Yeah, we will continue to keep an eye for how this development and any key lessons to be learned. Thank you, Peng, and thanks everyone for joining us today. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Herbert Smith Freehills. For more episodes, please go to our channel on iTunes or SoundCloud and visit our website herbertsmithfreehills.com for more insights relevant to your business.